0: Welcome to Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. I'm your host, Damale Peterman. On this podcast, we invite you to share a conflict that you need help navigating, and I, along with a guest co-host, will share what we would do in that situation to help you reach your breakthrough. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, I am thrilled to have Jennifer Pazoza with me in the studio. Jen. I'm so excited to be here with you, Damali. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You are amazing. And I'm just so honored to, to share you with
1: our podcast listeners. Jen, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you so much again for having me. So I am an executive coach and I am extremely passionate about helping people be their Best in organizations and finding their unique leadership style and strengths to add to organizations and to bring great innovation, whatever that looks like for them. So, that's a little bit about what I do. I um, have been in private practice for about 10 years. My firm is leading for good. I've always been super passionate about what makes people tick. Um, how to help people be successful in organizations and also to help understand themselves and to relate to each other. So if I wasn't in the field of business and organizational psychology, I would have been a psychologist. So um, as a child, I was always super passionate about understanding how everyone on our street fit together. Um, And so my mom always said that I learned to know people way before I learned to count. And so it really has been my passion to understand the psychology of people and to help organizations um, manifest people's best talents. That's pretty amazing. I mean, my introduction
0: to you, as you know, uh, but for a listener's benefit, was working together on the board of an amazing nonprofit. And I've had the benefit of having known you in that capacity, uh, working together and also as friends for for many years. And so I'm so happy that others will benefit from all of your knowledge and and organizational behavior and studies. And maybe you can be kind of our psychologist for the day. What do you think? I'd love to do that. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. And so for those of you tuning in for the first time, you can simply call in on our hotline number to leave a message asking a question that you are contemplating and guess what it doesn't have to be a conflict it could be anything that's going on with you uh, or someone that you know and anything that you really don't know how to navigate It could be an actual conflict, and maybe you just want to hear how someone who's not, you know, in the situation would think about it. With a co-host on the air for the first time, we will play the message and give you some feedback as to what we would do if we were in that situation. So what are you waiting for? Pick up your phone and leave us a message. Without further ado, we will play the first message for you.
2: You have one message. message. (laughs) Hi, this is Charlie. I'm calling actually about my husband who is trying to, um, he's trying to uh, uh, get a better job. And he really needs help with managerial skills and becoming more concise with his presentation. And I was hoping you might have some um Kind of guidance or examples of places that he could um, go to either schools or books to read um, where he could learn uh, a little bit more of the leadership kind of side of business.
1: Thanks so much. Great. Well, my first reaction to this call, um, and this happens a lot in my business, is when someone is calling on behalf of the client. And so my first reaction is, you know she the this wife, who's very kindly supporting her husband, um is doing some work for him. And so the first question I always ask when people come to me is, is the client as engaged in the change mm. as you are? It's a good question, and I've been in the position of coaching um and doing work with a family member where the family member is invested more in the outcome than the individual. And I've learned the hard way that, you know, you can't want it more than the client. So my first sort of area of inquiry would be, let's talk to the husband yeah. um, and find out how interested he is to make a change and what it is he really wants to get better at. So- You know, that's my first reaction, but we can talk a lot about the different facets of what she wants to help him with, assuming he wants to make that change.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. And it sounds like he has a managerial background, but he's trying to work on his presentation and perhaps wants it to be more concise, among other things. And he wants to look like a leader, right? He wants to present himself as a leader, um to obtain a new position. So what do you think about that our our leadership coach? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I might break those two apart. Okay. And first let's talk about um presentation skills. So what's so great in today's age of podcasts and the internet and online um, courses is that there's just so many great resources out there and we haven't even gotten to actual books, right? Um, so it's a great time to have learning um you know, independent of a formal organization or school, and to do so very inexpensively. so that's the great news. Um, but however, when I think about presentation skills, it's something that really needs to be practiced. Uh, a very wonderful resource is something called Toastmasters. Have you heard of Toastmasters? Yeah, I have. I think you told me about them the first time actually. Yes. And so Toastmasters is a wonderful organization that's a chapter-based organization that allows people to join their local chapter and to practice weekly speeches. And I think that's the best way to get better at presentations is to do them regularly, and you know whether that be at work or extracurricularly. There are so many great ways to practice presentations. Um, I've taken a number of different presentations courses over the years because you can always get better at presentation. But a few that I've really appreciated: one, there's a Dale Carnegie Human Relations course. And that is a fabulous uh, public speaking and interpersonal relations course, because part of making a great presentation, right, is connecting with your audience. Oh, yes. Um, Another great uh, way to practice presentation is actually taking improv. And you've had some experience (laughs) with that. And so maybe you can comment too. I I mean, I also took a presentation class that drew on improv and I loved it because we didn't even realize we were practicing presentations. We were doing improv. So you want to comment on that? As Absolutely.
0: Well. I loved improv. I took a course at the Upright Citizens Brigade and it's a really great way to get over nervous jitters. If you have any, it's also a great way to kind of think on your feet and to build upon uh, a conversation or a topic or a theme. And so I'm a big fan, Jen, of improv.
1: Definitely. Oh, that's great. You know, that, this wife that was calling on behalf of her husband, um, I think having him think about his passion, his work, where he is most interested will naturally lead to more effectiveness in presentations. He also can work with a speech coach. I know a few great ones that just focus on communications. And so that's another way to practice presentation skills. I'm trying to think of other things um, that come to mind. I definitely think that the more you do it, the better you get at it. Some people are more natural edutainers than others. And so I think it is knowing yourself uh, and knowing what you can get better at. But one of the best ways to do get better is to get constant feedback and to have people in the room tell you, you know, what's going well, what's not. Because even the most experienced presenters and facilitators, we all can get better.
0: Absolutely, and you know what, Jen? I'm so happy you said that. One of the funniest things, and maybe it wasn't funny at the time, that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. Excuse me, I thought I was going to sneeze. I'm just getting over a cold, and my voice is really hoarse, so I apologize to our listeners for not having my my normal voice. Um, but I went to a networking event, and someone came over to me, and they started giving me kind of like their elevator pitch, and it was super long, and it was super boring, and I stopped. I, honestly, I tuned out after about like. 30 seconds. And maybe he saw like that disconnect in my face. I don't know what it was. But then it led him to say, you know, I just launched this business. Um, I'm really looking for some feedback. Can you tell me what you thought of my pitch? And I said to him, you know, honestly, I wouldn't have said anything. But for the fact that you asked me, I think I'm going to be really honest with you. It was super long and boring. And I stopped listening. And It sounds like you have an amazing concept, but you have to give it in a way that one, people are hooked with the first, with the beginning of it. And then two, that people want to know more. Like if you give everything in the pitch, I don't have any questions because you've given me all the information. And so I'll share a couple of things that I've learned recently. Um, from some amazing men and women who really work on like, pitches and how to make them compelling. Mm. Um, and one of the things that I learned in the Goldman Sachs program, I think like day one or day two of the program, and this is the Goldman Sachs um, 10,000 Small Businesses program that I graduated from in March, um, was to make so your awesome. pitches. It was awesome, Jen. It was mm-hmm. really incredible. And we've had some co-hosts cool from that from that program as well uh, on the show. one of the things that I learned was to make your pitch um, – efficient, compelling and concise. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to kind of master all those things in a 30 second pitch. And by the way, I've heard people say 15 second pitch. And then last week um, when I was on the Tory Birch Foundation Fellowship Program, um, Jay Kelly Hoey, shout out to her. She's amazing. She wrote a great book that I think is called building your dream network, she told us to come up with six words, a six-word pitch. Mm. And so one bit of advice that I'll give to um, to Sam for her husband uh, or for anyone who's working on a pitch is try to find six words that can really draw a person in. And I think one of the examples I saw was that there was a patent litigator and instead of saying something like, I'm a patent litigator, which could potentially like fall flat on some ears, um, I think the person said something like, I help companies save their assets or, you know, I help companies protect their assets. And that sounds great because now you want to know more. You want to ask the question why. And then you can have a conversation, right? Definitely. And so for for the pitch, uh, you know, I ended up saying to him that. And he said, well, what would you say? And I said, well... One of the things that you said to me that really resonated was the type of business that you had. I haven't met anyone here in, at this networking event that had that type of business. But then you lost me with some of the, you know, kind of nuts and bolts of it.
1: Totally. Definitely. And you're, you're raising a really important point that whether you're pitching or you making a general presentation or you're giving a, you know, five hour training, the importance of honing in on the larger story yeah. or the sort of emotional resonance is so critical. Yeah. And so you said you were breaking into two things. You said yeah.
0: presentation
1: would be one. And was the leadership aspect the other part? I don't remember. You're Well, in terms of presentation, you're saying, well, I just think there's just so many different facets to presentation. So when this caller was calling in, I was trying to think about what she's thinking about. Is she thinking about her husband giving presentations to a board or to the team? Or is she thinking um, about general pitching, like you were mentioning, in terms of promoting himself? Um, or is is it about facilitating sessions and all of those draw on different presentation skills, but similarly require comfort on your feet and agility? Right. And practice. Pra- and practice. I love that. Practice, practice, practice. You can't go
0: wrong. And I think, too, thinking about your audience, right? Because that maybe there's a particular way you would present before, you know, certain people within the company or certain, you know, audiences, but you may have to shift that for other audiences.
1: Definitely. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Knowing your audience and what they already know and how they're coming to the table and what words you need to define um, is so, so critical, which requires, you know, a lot of tailoring to every presentation that you might make. And do you think we should get to the second part? of the caller's request, yes. which is more about leadership. Yes. Um, and you mentioned that you thought the, the individual was maybe already in a leadership position but wanted to further hone skills. It
0: sounds like it. It said he needed some help with managerial skills. And so I'm wondering, I'm assuming, I don't know if he's up for a management position or if he's already there looking to take on more responsibility. It wasn't clear
1: from the call, but, but what do you think? well let's let's t- tackle assuming the person was already in some managerial position we could talk about it both ways okay um I mean coming from my perspective where you know, oftentimes the, the starting point I have with a client is let's see how you're perceived as a leader. And there's so many great tools out there that allow you to be benchmarked against key leadership competencies, you know, and some of them are, you know, Center for Creative Leadership is a not-for-profit um, that I really appreciate some of their tools, but they allow you to get feedback no matter what level you are in the organization. If you're a general manager, if you're in the C-suite, you can get measured against the key competencies that are required at different levels in an organization and see from, you know, assuming you have at least 12 to 18 people that you can call on feedback again, look at this common theme of feedback is the best way that we get self-awareness and learn and grow. Um, but understanding how you're perceived and where you can grow is is really important. So I might suggest that as, as a way to understand how he is perceived as a leader. Um, but then there's just so many wonderful books out there about leadership. Um, you know, one of the, my favorite books is uh, – quiet leadership. And it's by a coaching guru called David Rock. And the reason I love his writing is because he talks about his so many wonderful models, but he looks at leadership as a way to improve other people's thinking. And if you're helping other people achieve their potential or think more effectively or independently, then you're acting like a leader. So um I think there's a lot of coaching involved in leadership. So I I do really appreciate and recommend that book for those that have an appetite. Um, But there are some online courses. There's so many great ways. Coursera is a um, wonderful resource. Have you heard of Coursera? No, I haven't. Um, So so basically, you know, we have these wonderful universities, but taking a you know course at a university can be super expensive. So a lot of education, um, you know, in the professional context for an individual consumer can can be done online, and you can take um, a wonderful you know university professor through an online course at an affordable price. Some of the courses cost like four hundred oh, and fifty dollars. That's pretty good. Yeah. So this is this is a you know way that you could enhance your managerial skills through that. Um, if he's not in a managerial position, he may think about volunteering in an organization where he could get more experience and practice. Um, and oftentimes volunteer organizations are even harder than an organization where you have formal authority, as we both know, working on a board <laughs> and not, and with a not-for-profit. Um, but what are some of the things that come to mind for you? I'm just curious. Yeah, well, those are pretty amazing.
0: I think for me, um, being a leader, one, you have to... Try to surround yourself with other leaders. I think there's so much to learn from people, even if they're in different industries. Um, You could just learn a ton. And I remember when I was starting my company, um, the first one, I went to everyone that I knew and you included just to ask questions like what works for you, what didn't work. And it doesn't have to be like how do you reinvent the wheel, but what phone service are you using? Just small things to help you not waste time with uh, trying to figure out things where you have people who have been doing it before you and they can give you some of that collective advice. And so I found that to be really helpful. And so I would ask him to think about some of the leaders that he knows. Um, it does not ha- They don't have to be in his industry. They can be in different industries. And ask them questions. Um, what works for you? What have you learned along this journey? What are some do's and don'ts? If you could do one thing again, what would it be? I think it's really great to learn from Um, past mistakes. uh, It's also good to try to find ways to avoid making the same mistakes if someone can give you some advice. And so I would definitely just reach out to different leaders across different industries and talk to them. I would also look within the company. Who Mm -hmm. do you admire? Who can mentor you? Who can sponsor you? I think sometimes we... Um, may think that you have to have something in common with someone. Yeah, it's great if you can have this organic relationship where you just really get along, or maybe you have some of the same interests. But it's also great to approach someone and say, "Hey, you know, I really like the way that you presented that last meeting, and I was looking for some tips in X. Or would you like to have coffee and you know maybe talk a little bit more about? Or if you're reading the paper and you found you come across an article that may resonate with someone, just sending it. I'm a big fan of. Um, giving. I think that when you give something, um, you feel good, the person receiving it feels good. And then that's a good way to just kind of build a relationship. Um, Also, just to kind of, you know, put your name out there, make it top of mind. Mm -hmm. You're super good at that.
1: You're super (laughs) good at that. I mean, some other things are coming to mind. um, And more broadly on this leadership question, and it makes me think about this idea that, you know, leadership is a is a choice from wherever you're sitting, right? right? So if you're in a follower position, you still can choose to be a leader in so many different ways. And I think it's ultimately deciding, like, I want to be responsible and I want to contribute And I want to, whether that be culturally or to the organization's innovation um, or to taking on, you know, side projects that would contribute in ways that you're interested to take on. And so I don't think it has to be narrowly defined. Certainly, you know, when I work with people, it can commonly be a goal, like I want to get promoted. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to be a leader. I want to be a partner. I want, you know, I want that sort of name, that title behind my name and, I try to focus people on doing the work of a leader and focusing on the bigger picture versus getting the extrinsic reward. um, Because then I find people are more likely to be truly engaged and then actually living the work of the true leader, if that makes sense. That makes total sense, Jen. And I like that because I think those are skills
0: that you can apply regardless of what your position or career or place is. If you kind of work on the intrinsic as opposed to the extrinsic, then... You know, there are no 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 boundaries. There are no borders. You can take that anywhere.
1: Definitely. So I love that advice. That's fantastic. And I do want to echo like this idea that you brought up, which is surrounding yourself with great people. Uh, productivity guru Jason Womack once shared... You know, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, and so you want to think Ooh. about who are you spending <laughs> time with and how are they contributing to your worldview and your confidence. and Ooh, I like your, that. Yeah. So, um, the, another thing too is that there are so many organizations today too that support networking, that support bringing leaders together. Um, I'm involved with an organization called Chief, which um, just actually opened its doors in January, but its goal is to really break the glass ceiling and allow women to move into the C-suite more effectively. And so what they're doing is creating circles for women leaders um, to be surrounded by fellow, um, you know, comparative leaders, and then also have a coaching, executive coach that guides them through the process and talking about their challenging gr- challenges and growing as leaders. It's great.
0: Everyone needs kind of that network of, of people to kind of bounce ideas off of and, and learn and grow from. So Chief sounds pretty awesome, actually.
1: It is. It is. It now has over, I think, 700 members and it just opened in January. two thousand. Wow. That's amazing. Yes. Wow. Wow.
0: Well, it sounds like we've provided a lot of information. Uh, hopefully you'll, well, actually in your husband's shoes. Uh, yes. So hopefully we're giving you some good insight uh, to to kind of present these to him and we want you to continue to listen in and tune in and if you have any follow-up questions please feel free to call our hotline number again we'd love to know how things are going and and how he's doing and and even if some of these ideas resonate with you that would be really amazing without further ado let's go to the next message jen what do you think
1: let's do it i can't wait to hear it all right you
2: have you have one message hi damali this is sam I'm calling about um, a overdue invoice uh, with a high-profile client who is not a lot of money for them, but it is significant for us, and I repeatedly have sent them the invoice, emailed them, reached out to them in multiple ways, reached out to multiple people, and I feel like it's just never going to happen I also feel like this is making it so they don't want to work with me again Um, which I kind of don't want to work with them either now because of it however this being a high-profile client it is something that would benefit my business to be collaborating with them do you have any advice for how to keep this relationship while also getting paid
1: thanks Mm. I so relate to this caller's um, challenge and having, you know, worked with government individuals, um, large organizations and small not-for-profits. It is a natural fact of business that invoices do not always get paid on time. And, And I really, you know, as she said, for this organization that is large, it's not that important to her, to them, but it's super important. It's a large amount for her as a small business owner, so that that can be stressful. And I, I've definitely been there before. Um, I have many, many thoughts. Um, the first I think is is that being persistent and professional eventually does pay off. It does not behoove this large organization to not. Uh, assuming they are viable and financially secure and aren't going to file for bankruptcy, it does not suit their business to not pay their bills. But it does suit their finances to extend as long as is possible. And they have leverage when it comes to the small business owner. Um, and I and I don't. She mentions sort of like a concern about whether she will get the business again and. I think it's important to just continue to be the consummate professional but to continually follow up to, um, you know, maybe even go in person. I've actually had the experience that I've, I've uh, you know, said I will pick up the check in person and um, because it just hasn't gone through ACH and... That has actually worked. <laughs> That's good. That's um, good. They're like, she's coming. You better cut that check. We better cut that <laughs> check. Um, the other thing, though, is that this aspect of of choosing your clients. Now, that is a privilege in business, and you know you have to be well established um, to do so. But I think you know there's a lot of business gurus that talk about you know choosing good clients, and if an organization doesn't pay you. Um, you may think about first, like changing the payment terms, change, you know, maybe you get paid upfront for part and, you know, the other half is after you complete or different ways of payment cycles that will alleviate, um, you know, your financial responsibilities as a business owner. Um, But that there also is this aspect of like choosing good clients. So those are the things that first hit me. I'm curious what, what you thought of.
0: Well, and you know, Jen, it's funny because as entrepreneurs, we can definitely like, as you said, relate to this question. And there's always that balance, right? Of, maintaining the relationship, but also wanting to be paid for your work. And so in addition to all the great things that you said, uh, one of the things that came to mind is it if, in fact, you are the person who are providing the services, I wonder whether it'd be useful to have someone else who follow ups for the billing, for example. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I like is that I have uh, an, an accountant and a bookkeeper and they're two different people. And if someone is behind on a payment, um, then they are the person that follows up with them. And so I don't look like the bad guy saying, oh, yeah, you didn't pay your bill. Right. Um, and so I think that's helpful because then there's a, a, an intermediary, if you will. And so you don't feel like you're, you know, pestering the client and the client doesn't. And you, and especially if there's an ongoing relationship and you're still doing work for the client. Right.
1: Absolutely. No, that that's I. I I failed to mention too, it's it is nice to have someone else be the messenger yeah. on the bill <laughs> so that you don't have to be the the bad guy or woman. Yeah. Um, in this case. You know, there's there's also thinking about more creatively, you know, I'm I'm hearing about more businesses accepting payment through Venmo yeah. and, and ways that allow more easily easily transferable funds to go through. Um, but that's more with individual transactions. Right,
0: um, right. And you're absolutely right. Kind of knowing your client and their preferences would help. Um, I have a lot of clients to your very point that prefer to have like a retainer, right? So they pay a certain amount of front and as the retainer starts to be depleted, um, then they would add more to the retainer. I have clients who, and a a lot of my clients have clients who have the same thing where they pay, like as you said, part up front and then part upon completion, depending on what we're talking about. Uh, If we're talking about products as opposed to services, right? Because once you've given the product, you kind of want to be paid. If you're talking about services, then some clients are like, oh, well, let's pay to lock you in. Mm -hmm. And then once you've completed, providing the services will pay you the the remaining balance. Um, I think that you're right. You can be really creative with how you accept payments, I know a lot of people, companies um, that are taking Zelle, Venmo, to your point, PayPal, um, Cash App, there are many ways to get paid, especially in this economy when you can get paid in seconds, right? Definitely. Um, So I think that's some really good advice. I think part of it, too, is educating your client a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. And so depending on the relationship, depending on um, how long you've known each other, um, to your very point, figuring out of do we have the right payment plan? Uh, one of the things that I was surprised to learn many, many years ago was the accounts payable person who was responsible for paying out the bills was incentivized to keep Payments on the aging as long as they could because I mm-hmm. kept money in the accounts and it was an interest-bearing account, and so the longer they could keep the money in the account before paying out, um, they they would receive rewards for that. Isn't that amazing?
1: Wow, that that's. That's disappointing for the small business owners, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I but I certainly can understand that 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 helps the bar- the broader organizations. Biases. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then
0: I learned this this too. Um, when you provide a service or or a product and you don't get paid for thirty days, essentially you're providing credit to that person because they're getting something from you on credit with the promise to pay you later. And so I've been telling a lot of businesses, um, and I've been receiving some really good feedback, to consider changing whether you want to have extend credit or not. And if you do, how you can make it work so that the payment terms work for you. Mm, And so if a person... on interest. uh, Right. So Mm -hmm. interest or say, for example, if you have a 15-day payment, you know, net payment plan or 30-day or 45, but people are paying you more like 90 days, figure out why. So to your very point about government, for example, sometimes they can be later to pay because of the way that the cycles work Mm -hmm. or their fiscal year works. And so just kind of figuring out your client... Um, it does require a lot of work, more work up front for you, but then maybe the back end of that results in you getting paid.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And this is another lesson, too, that, you know, y- you never want to be in a situation where your business is reliant on one client or one large organization. Right. And that can happen naturally when you get referred around to it to an organization. Um, but it is helpful to have a diversified portfolio of clients in different industries if if you can um, for for that reason. Um, but you know, I also will say, you know, in the the worst case scenario, I have had bills that, you know, I, I can think of one particular bill that hasn't been paid in probably six months. And it's it's the relationship is more important to me than the the actual um, payment amount because it's not that much. And I, I'm also accruing new work from this organization. Um, so I know I will be paid for that. Um, but it, but it's a choice. Um, and in this case, it is a lot of org- uh, money for this small organization and this woman. And I think um, she should continue to follow up to get Paid and, I mean, in this day and age too, there there are a lot of vehicles that people can use, like social media, to you know make their point and make action uh, happen. I think that's the last resort, right? Um, and not not what a true professional would do for their their clients, but it is an option.
0: It's true. And you know, what's interesting, I've had a few people tell me recently that they fired clients. And I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. tell me more about that. How did you fire a client? And for a variety of reasons. And I think the one reason I've heard the most is they're slow to pay or they don't pay. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, sometimes entrepreneurs may forget that you can decide who you engage with and you can make a decision that's best for your business. And I wouldn't just, you know, say to a client, I'm firing you. I would say something, you know, more uh, diplomatic. Maybe you're pivoting. Maybe you're changing the services that you provide or the products you provide. Um, or maybe you want to say it's been really hard working on this account for these reasons. I really want to work with you, but we have to revisit our payment terms. Would you be willing to have that conversation and then take it from there? Mm-hmm. I think Absolutely. there are a lot of options, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. As you were saying that, I was I was thinking about a contract that I've had for a number of years and how um, the first couple of years I structured it so that I would get a final payment after a certain section of work, but the certain section of work required 18 different people to um, schedule their 360 session, which was not a smart setup on my part. And so you learn from your failures and your mistakes to be better at contracts, to be better at thinking about what's best for the contract and for
0: your business. Yeah, and then, you know, something else is that um, the caller said that she feels like it's just never going to happen. And I would want to know, like, have you picked up the phone and talked to this person? What's going on for them in their life right now? Like, is there are they in the hospital? Did they just have something major happen? And, you know, maybe it's not personal to you or your company, but maybe there's a lot going on. And so just picking up the phone, I know that it's really easy to send an email or an invoice and just kind of like hope people will sort of follow up. Um, but sometimes you may have to have someone pick up the phone. And then I would go back to maybe that's not you. Depending on the relationship, perhaps you, it's a third party, a third person. Um, maybe it's your bookkeeper to say, hey, just wanted to check in. You know, um, Sam asked me to call because uh, we haven't heard from you and the invoice is past you. And we just wanted to make sure everything was OK, because that is working on the relationship. It's not just a client that's with an invoice. It's a client that you care about and you wanted to make sure everything is okay um, because they haven't responded to the
1: invoice. I think that sounds like the best approach. And and just to confirm what you're saying, I, I recently had a coaching client last week who's not that responsive on email and she also got that feedback from her organization. And the truth is she just feels overwhelmed by the amount of emails and communication that's coming her way. And she said... And if someone really needs to reach me, they'll call me. And so that, uh, you know, she has her own priorities and she's one of those people who actually isn't married to her inbox. Good for her. And I think that does raise a question that, you know, people are operating and working with different assumptions, and people often are overwhelmed in today's texting, emailing, Slack. There's so many different ways to be reached. And you may need to assume that. Uh, It's going to take a few attempts and pick up the phone and have a live conversation.
0: (laughs) I agree. I think that's a great way to kind of end this segment. And so, Sam, hopefully you have a lot of feedback from us on different ways that we would handle that situation. Uh, Of course, getting paid is important. You're putting out a product or service and you want to see sort of the, the benefit of that economically. So we totally get that. Um. Thank you so much for tuning in. And Jen, thank you for being our amazing guest co-host today on the program. You've just been phenomenal. Well,
1: this was so fun. So I'm so glad to have participated and I'd love to come back and do it again.
0: Oh, well, anytime. I'm mm-hmm. sure people would love to hear your insight. Do you have any barriers that we can help you break through? If so, you can leave a brief message at 646 363 Six three two two, or on our interactive blog at www.breakthroughadr.com. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at the at sign b r e a k t h r o u g h capital A capital D capital R. I'm your host, Damali Peterman, and this is Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. Although I am a lawyer, mediator, and an educator, and many of my co-hosts will represent various professions, we want to be clear that we are not providing legal advice, counseling, or suggestions. Our goal is to provide a roadmap for conflict resolution to generate future conflict resolvers. Continue to break through and have a wonderful day.